There you go. All right. Of course I did. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that introduction. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining today. Um, let's go ahead and get started. Um, we are going to um, discuss program expenses, um, and we're going to do it in the next 30 minutes. Um, so here's a question for you. Um, have you ever looked at your bank account um, and you wondered why your balance is low? Uh, and then as you're looking through all of your details and your statements, you find the gym memberships, you find the Hulu subscriptions and Netflix subscriptions, you find a lot of eating out um, and a lot of other Amazon purchases and things like that. Um, now, you may be wondering, what does our personal spending habits have to do with the 340B program? Um, and the answer is a lot. We, there's a lot that you can learn uh, from both. Given that the 340B program is a program that operates in a nonprofit world, I think it's a good idea to be good stewards of the program and to not only look at the savings and look at how much income the program is bringing in from contract pharmacy uh, and other savings areas, but to also take into account how much you and your covered entity is spending running the program. Um, in operating the program in terms of um, staff and uh, TPA fees and contract pharmacy fees, et cetera. My name is Anthony Velasquez, and uh, I've been in the 340B space for about a decade, uh, working primarily on the covered entity side. And um, in the last few years, I have come over to the third-party administration side where I am blessed to work with uh, many covered entities and help them manage their program, increase their program savings and compliance uh, by utilizing uh, 340B uh, third-party administrator technology. At the end of this presentation, what I hope is that you all can take uh, some of these I, these things that I'm going to share and hopefully go back to your program and save thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars. So here we go. The agenda for today we are going to discuss is number one, your pharmacy network. Are you optimizing your pharmacy network and are you looking at the right things to ensure that the pharmacies that you're contracted with should remain as part of your network? Your third-party administrator fees and your contracts, those are very important and probably one of the key um, uh, expenses or the, one of the most expensive line items that you could have on your expense sheet for your 340B program. We're going to talk about the pharmacy agreements themselves as well, uh, the Apexis PVP program, and ways that you can find um, drug savings there and talk about wholesaler invoices. So starting with your contract pharmacy network. Uh, now, as you, if you're on this call and you manage a 340B program, you might have a network of 10, 20, 50, 100, 200 contract pharmacies. And as you grow and that number is larger, they become very difficult to manage and you need a lot of resources to manage them, not only from a, a compliance perspective to make sure that all the prescriptions audited there are eligible for 340B, but also from a financial perspective to make sure that each of those pharmacies are enhancing or providing benefit to your 340B program. Uh, I remember a time that I worked as a 340B manager for a covered entity. Uh, and at the time, the covered entity had 35 contract pharmacies. All of them were bringing in some sort of uh, 340B uh, revenue 
um, in terms of eligible capture prescriptions. However, when you look deeper into the numbers and you take into account dispensing fees, admin fees, wholesaler, uh, wholesaler spend, um, and, and other, and other items, uh, whether it's, whether it's true ups, if that's a process that you utilize with your TPA today and things like that, I quickly discovered that about 50% of the pharmacies were not truly profitable. And we're adding a compliance risk to the covered entity that did not have the reward uh, to go with it. So this is something that you can very easily do. And I encourage every covered entity that is listening to this presentation to find what your true net profit is. That's not just looking at your uh, amount collected by the insurance and the patient copayment minus the dispensing fees but really look at the whole thing holistically. Look at your admin fees. What, what are you, what are you paying your TPA to manage that? Look at, you know, to see if you have a percentage based contract or a minimum fee contract, all of those things you want to take into account to ensure that you truly understand whether your pharmacy is really profitable. Um, one idea that you can also implement that uh, that I've done in the past and, and have seen other entities do is to set a minimum threshold. As you're building out a pharmacy network, you want to discuss with your committee. Um, and those of you that were on our presentation last time, I talked about having a, uh, implementing a 340B committee. You want to discuss with your committee, um, what is the threshold of savings or revenue opportunity that a pharmacy uh, should should provide to our covered entity or considering benefit to your program, whether you have a cash card program or that pharmacy is benefiting cash card patients um, that you're comfortable with. Um, and and, and in my example, when I worked on the covered entity side, it was $2,500. The individual contract pharmacy had to uh, project a net savings, a true net profit of $2,500 or over in order to be considered um, a, a good partnership for the covered entity that I was working at. So again, I want to, I want to, I want to reiterate that the risk versus reward is very important. You want to make sure that you are contracting and working with pharmacies that are providing true benefit and not just adding pharmacies to your contract pharmacy network just to have a big number of pharmacies because that can expose you to different compliance risks that can um, add additional work that is unnecessary and not uh, bringing value to your program. All right. And then number two, and this is, this is one that I am very passionate about because I live this every day now that um, I'm on the 340B TPA side and get to see a lot of the, the contracts. Um, the third party administrator's fees, I, I will say from my experience, it's probably more than 50% of the time when we are speaking to customers and they have no idea what they're paying their current TPA. Um, there are so many fees in some of the TPA agreements and some of the TPA arrangements that it is truly difficult to keep up with. Uh, there, the contracts, if you've seen one contract, you've seen one contract. They vary, uh, immensely in terms of what that TPA may be charging you for uh, managing your 340B program. And beware of the hidden fees. Beware of the hidden fees. I highly encourage 
a working session uh, where you figure out what your true fees are for your 340B program, whether that is fees that you're paying your TPA for processing your e-prescription file. We've heard, we've heard some TPAs charging you just for processing a, a file that should be part of your normal uh, program process, uh, fees that you're paying to your TPA for any, for reprocessing, for using their referral capture tool. Uh, we've heard of TPA charging a really high percentage based fee just for utilizing the tool. Uh, fees that you may be paying for specialty prescription versus regular retail prescriptions, um, minimum thresholds, um, implementation fees. I mean, you really want to lay out and try to figure out what, what fees your program, um, you're paying your TPA to manage your program. Um, and beware of the contract terms. Um, we're, we're seeing situations where, um, some TPAs are sending uh, covered entities contract terms that completely remove any ability to get out of the contract. And you're locked in for uh, three years, auto renew three or five years. Uh, we've, we've had entities who want to uh, terminate a bad contract and they're not able to unless they, they pay a big fee. So there's a lot of that going on that um, I, I don't think enough attention is paid, uh, is paid to um, and highly encourage covered entities to make sure that you not only understand your contract fees, but understand your terms. What is your ability to get out of the contract? When does it auto renew? Make sure that you set yourself a reminder that if you would like to auto renew that contract, there's no action. But if you would like to explore different uh, TPA options that you're able to jump in and say, you know, wait a minute, we don't want to, we don't want this to auto renew at this time. Um, another thing that we see a lot with TPA, especially when a, uh, uh, covered entity is shopping around or comparing TPAs is you're not comparing apples to apples. They're the way that this, that administrative fees are charged vary, uh, by every single TPA. Every TPA almost charges something different. Um, some are very complex. Some are very simple. Some charge you for claims that are not truly eligible. Some charge you just for claims that are eligible. So it's all over the board. So I highly encourage you not only just to know your fees, know your contract terms, but when you're negotiating a uh, or shopping around or doing an RFP, just make sure that you have that conversation in detail about the fees and understanding every single fee that may be included in your contract. This is the, in some cases, this is a large piece of your program expenses. Um, you know, this, a TPA contract could be a multi-million dollar contract. Um, depending on the size of your covered entity, you know, you, you, you could easily have a contract. If you're a large dish, for example, that is a million, two million, three million dollars a year. So you want to make sure that you understand, um, you know, how, how that contract is being executed and how you're going to be charged, um, going forward. And most importantly, you want to make sure that you're getting the right value from your TPA, right? Since this is, your partner that is helping you manage this very complex program that is changing all the time where you are dealing with data and interfaces and switch data and wholesaler interfaces. You want to make sure that you're getting real value um, and that the TPA is making your life better and easier and not adding more work and more manual labor uh, than is necessary.
All right, going to the next one. So your contra-pharmacy agreements. This is a big one. Uh, this is a big one because the contra-pharmacy agreements are, again, one of those things where they're all over the place. Um, there is no set standards for what a fair dispensing fee is. Uh, so I have seen contracts with flat fees, percentage fees, plus, uh, flat plus percentage, flat plus percentage cap at certain amount, um, a percentage-based fee per drug type or, um, or, you know, or disease state. Um, so they are all over the place and are just as complicated as the third party administrator contracts are. So from a dispensing fee perspective, what is fair? That depends. That depends on the market. That depends on the pharmacy. That depends on the type of drugs. There's a lot of different, um, a lot of different factors that play a role in that. How do you know? I would say ask for help. Um, we, we have, uh, we have our pharmacy network director at PharmaForce, for example, that is a true industry expert and works with the covered entities, with the pharmacies to make sure that there, there is a fair agreement between both parties. And, and we think that that's the right thing to do, right? There, there, uh, there is benefit for the every party involved from the covered entity to the pharmacy to the patient. And we think that that should be done in a fair way. And we help, we help to achieve a, a good relationship, right? You don't want, you don't want there to be a sour relationship between your pharmacy and your covered entity, uh, because of, uh, unfair dispensing fees. Uh, so we really try to help our covered entities have, uh, or negotiate fair dispensing fees. And, and you should too. Um, whoever your TPA is, ask for help. I'm sure that there is an expert. Um, on the TPA side that can help you as you're growing your 340B program or looking at new opportunities. There are industry averages. There are, there are numbers that most independents are charging, for example, that we're seeing, um, you know, and, and that, that can be helpful in the negotiation. But again, every, every contract I think is different, uh, depending on the level of engagement that exists between the community. And the farm. Um, additionally, you wanna you wanna make sure that you understand the analysis of, of opportunity. Okay, so tell me what do we need what do we need to do before tomorrow? So we do we do this and okay stuff? Yes. Okay. That's what I'm going to do tomorrow. Okay, so open. Well, we gotta get this uh, executed. They gotta sign it. I'm gonna. Okay. Do I? Do you wanna do it on the laptop? Hey Dan. Do you want to do it? I'm uh, trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to do it. I'm talking and I'm trying to mute them. Well, I don't want to sign it right now. I don't, I don't want to do it. Then. All right. Although you probably want to just take Empty this. Uh, whoever's talking, right. if you could stop talking. There you go. Yeah, they best to just keep talking. Maybe okay. I can talk okay. over them. All right, cool. I'm trying to mute them. All right. So uh, next and another area that um, most entities, I'm not sure that most entities know about the Apexis prime vendor program, uh, but it is a voluntary program. Very, very easy to sign up for that. Um, I don't like your covered entity can sign up for really it on, on every, uh, have on every contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Access. Okay. Thanks, Karen. I'll be there. Hey. Um, sorry about that, everyone. Uh, where you can access subceiling 340B prices. Um, so there are the prime vendor program contracts where not only not only do you 
you know, not only will you be able to access, you know, their normal sub-ceiling 340B, uh, sorry, the, the ceiling price of 340B ceiling price, but uh, some of the, the Apexis Prime Vendor uh, contracts have prices that are even lower than the ceiling price. Um, there is also sub-ceiling WAC pricing. Again, this is something that a lot of entities don't know about and don't take advantage of. It is completely free, voluntary, and can help you reduce your expenses in terms of um, your your purchases of brand drugs, generics, specialty. Um, you can purchase vaccines through through these contracts. You can um, lower your cost on your supplies because they also have special arrangements for supplies like like gloves and bottles and and empty vials and things like that that you can uh, negotiate and uh, you'd be able to uh, get a lesser uh, lesser price on these. And additionally, there's an access to a web portal where you can look at 340B prices uh, and different uh, resources. So this is, this is an area where you can reduce your uh, drug spend a little bit. Uh, we're we're going to have, I'm going to announce a, a part two of this. Where we're going to get more granular into things you can do in your program to reduce your expenses from a a true purchasing perspective. Uh, but I think this is a, a, an a easy way, uh, um, an easy step that you can take to reduce your uh, purchasing expenses on some of your items, some of your supplies, some of your vaccines, um, and take advantage of this completely free program that you can sign up for. You have to make sure once you sign up for the program through Apexis that that those contracts are loaded on every single 340B account that you have. So it's not just signing up, but confirming that those contracts are loaded on your accounts. All right, now jumping into wholesaler invoices. Um, there is a lot to be said about wholesaler, uh, wholesaler uh, in general and wholesaler invoices. But I want to focus on one aspect of that. Again, there's there's a ton that we can go into. Um, you know, I remember being in a uh, managing a 340B program where uh, WAC pricing was loaded on the 340B contract um, and things like that, which I'm sure some of you that have worked in 340B for any amount of time can probably say, yep, I've had that happen to me uh, where the the wrong... Uh, pricing was loaded on my catalog. And that is real. And that does happen. And that can lead to hundreds of thousands of dollars of purchasing um, uh, inappropriately more expensive than than you were entitled to. So that does happen. And I think this is this is an area that it would behoove covered entities to look into closely to monitor in some way, especially when you're opening new accounts, to make sure that you're at least going in there and taking a look at the 340B pricing loaded on that account and how that compares to 340B pricing loaded in other accounts. I think that that is a, a wise uh, check to make, um, at least initially. Uh, but here's one thing that I don't think is looked in enough and I think that can really reduce to, can really help covered entities reduce program expenses. There are times where uh, wholesaler wholesalers are overcharging uh, and CEs are overpaying, and it just it could be due just to an error on your on your invoice or or your catalog. So I think is I I think it will be important to to put this as part of your process to uh, perhaps um, sample uh, pick a sample of invoices that that you're paying 
and confirm that the amount that you were charged on that invoice really does correlate with the 340B pricing and the pricing loaded on your contract. Um, this, this is something that, um, you know, I, it's one of those things where most covered entities, and I can say, again, I have worked in, in, in at least three covered, three different covered entities where, um, for the most part, this is these invoices are paid by the accounting department sometimes sometimes they're paid by by the department head um but for the most part they're paid by accounting and they're not even looked at right there's just a number that you get at the end of the month and you you add it into your spreadsheet that shows we have $50,000 in revenue from this pharmacy minus $10,000 in dispensing fees minus $20,000 in drug costs right and that's as far as as that goes but um i have heard and um I've heard some some very some very big numbers in terms of uh covered entities and and colleagues in the industry that have been able to uh implement a process where they're reviewing their invoices every month every month before they're paid reviewing their invoices and making sure that they are um paying or being charged the amount that they truly should have been charged for uh for those drugs that were purchased so i i think that it would be a good thing to have that process in place um to to look at your invoices make sure that you are paying the amount that is on your catalog or that you that is part of your contract um and and that that amount correlates to your catalog pricing um, there are some instances of, of, uh, shipping, uh, minimum fees. So we've, we've heard from some of our covered entities that, um, if the order amount is below a certain, a certain number that the wholesaler is charging, uh, an additional shipping fee. Um, so you want to, you want to look into that. If you have a pharmacy that doesn't have a lot of volume and it's part of your contract pharmacy network, you might have some opportunities there where maybe you configured a, a threshold of ordering amount with your TPA or, or maybe you find out that that pharmacy is not worth, truly worth the um, amount of, of savings that it's bringing in and, and perhaps uh, should not be part of your program. But you want to, you want to look into that and, and you always want to monitor your catalog pricing. Especially with, and, and I've, you know, you can go on our website and download a webinar series that I did on the manufacturer block situation, but especially with the amount of manufacturer blocks that covered entities are dealing with, catalog pricing is, you know, ensuring that that is accurate is, it's probably more important than ever because there is a lot of changes. There are retail pricing being added to 340B catalogs and 340B contracts that the covered entity has no idea is there. Um, there, and, and, and if that, if those, uh, blocks are, or, you know, ordering thresholds and, and blocks are not in place, you could be paying, uh, retail pricing or even close to WAC pricing for things that should be at 340B. Uh, so again, wholesaler invoice there, there, I could probably do an entire, uh, webinar session on just wholesalers in general and contract pricing and, and all of those things and how to structure those accounts. But, but I think this is one area that is completely overlooked. Um, and I hope that that, that this was valuable, um, in, in, in establishing a workflow or have giving the idea of establishing a workflow where we can look into uh, whether you're being charged the correct pricing. Uh, with that being said, I want to announce that on Thursday, August the 25th, 
at 11.30 a.m., we are going to have our next webinar where we are going to do a part two and look at different uh, program expenses areas. Getting more into, in part two, we're going to get more into um, how to manage WAC spending, WAC expenditure, uh, how to structure your 340B program in the way that you uh, reduce or even eliminate uh, WAC spending altogether in certain areas of your program. So that will be part two. You will see that uh, a reminder or email come out from us uh, in order to register for that. And we look forward to having you there. And uh, again, thank you so much, Dan. I'm going to hand it over to you to, to MC the Q&A. And uh, I'll take a look at a couple of the Q&A ones in here. Yeah, so uh, thanks, everybody. So at this part, Anthony and I will stay on for as, as long as needed. Sometimes there aren't many questions. Today, I could already see there are a lot of questions. Uh, and, and sometimes we, we spend an extra hour just answering your questions. Um, so th as we just saw earlier, there, there's just too many people now joining this to, to unmute everybody. Someone could end up talking. So if you do want to, Anthony's going to read the questions, and he's going to answer them now. If you do want to have a discussion, no problem. We, we actually prefer the discussion. Just please click the raise hand button, and then we'll unmute you, and you can be part of the discussion. Um, so with that said, I'm going to stop the recording so no one has to be worried about recording, and we'll move into the Q&A session.